Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast, where we explore the triumphs and challenges of trauma recovery and being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world. In today's episode, we're going to be going over 10 tips to help make lasting changes in this new year. I am Autumn the older sister. And to start this episode out, I'm actually going to share one of the long-term changes that I've been working on for probably five years or so now. And that is to reduce the frequency and intensity of my headaches. I've actually struggled with migraines since I was 13 and I'm 40 now. So that is a long damn time. And as I'm getting older and closer to menopause, they're actually getting way, way worse. And they've come to the point where they're just impairing the function of my life. And so about five years ago, I said, enough is enough. I've got to start figuring something out. And so that's when this whole rabbit hole started for me. And I've actually found a lot of things that have reduced frequency and intensity of my headaches, but they're obviously not gone. And maybe they never will be, I don't know, but I am still working on that every day of dietary changes and tracking my hormones and food journals and activity journals and all these different things that I've been trying and doing and figuring out what works and what doesn't. But that's one that going into this new year, I'm still going to be working on. And I'm hoping because I'm making some changes in my environment, my routine, that I'm going to be able to pinpoint it even more this year and get even more reduction in my headaches. I am very much hopeful for you that you start finding more solutions for your headaches because, man, I have always felt so bad for you that you've dealt with those. Our our aunt also deals with migraines and it just sucks even watching you guys be in so much pain. So I can only imagine what it's like to actually experience a migraine. I am Ivy, the younger sister. And since Autumn shared one of her long-term changes that she is trying to make, I will also share one of mine and... I'm going to go with the mental health sort of route and talk about some of the changes that I'm trying to make in terms of my trauma recovery and all of that. So my most long-standing goal that I have had for literally 20 years now is to not let our father affect me. The trauma that I experienced with him and everything that happened during our upbringing, I'm really trying not to let him affect me. I don't want to hate him. I don't want to feel warm and fuzzy towards him. I don't want to feel injured by him. I just kind of want him to be irrelevant and I've been working on that for 20 years. And it wasn't until recently in therapy that I realized maybe I have been going about this all wrong because I have always been one of those people that let trauma harden me. I feel like people tend to go one direction or the other with trauma where they let it soften them or they let it harden them. And I've always been one of those people that I let it harden me. I kind of took that soldier route with it, which is just, no, I'm going to advocate for myself. I'm going to fight for myself. I'm not going to let anybody get too close. Never trust. Never do any of those things. Boundaries, 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 rigid thinking, all that stuff. And what I've been learning in therapy recently, which has been very hard for me to accept, but I'm realizing this actually needs to be my my goal to help me achieve my long-term goal and just to help me connect with more people in general, is that I have got to let my trauma soften me instead. And by that, I don't mean that I am going to be a weak pushover or anything like that. What I mean by letting my trauma soften me is that I have to acknowledge that all of my anger and all of that defensiveness and that soldier mentality has come from a space of deep hurt. And I need to delve into that hurt and allow myself to be vulnerable and connect to people who genuinely care about me I need to let my trauma soften me so that I can connect to that part of myself that is deeply wounded 
so that I can help heal that wound because I'm fairly certain at this point that is really the only way that I am going to get to a space where my father no longer affects me. I have to heal that wound. I can't just cover it up. I can't just fight back. It's still a deep, painful, bleeding wound. And until I address that through vulnerability and compassion and gentleness with myself and the willingness to trust others and let them in, I'm never going to be able to get to a point where my father no longer affects me. So I've had this goal for 20 years, but I've only now realized that I've been going about it in the opposite way of what will ultimately help me achieve it. I, I won't say that being hardened all these years did nothing for me. I think we have those survival mechanisms for a reason, but I am at a different spot in my life and I'm ready to do some real healing. So that is what I'm working on. I've been working on it for 20 years, but my new goal is to let my trauma soften me and not feel like I have to be a hard ass all the time. I'm actually really excited about the fact that that's your new goal because I've been working on this. She's kind of come to this realization, I would say, at least that I've seen in her life over the past six-ish months or so, maybe a year. And in that time, I have seen so much work that she's been doing. And because of that work, she has really opened up to allow me into her life more. And so I really, really love that fact. And that is one of the great things about sometimes the changes we make and the goals we make is that sometimes they have unintended consequences that are really positive. Because I know like Ivy talked about this in the context of trying to get to that point where she is healing that trauma and isn't affected by our father. But the side effect of that is, is that now her and I have a much closer relationship. And so I appreciate that fact a lot. And the work that you've been doing, Ivy, to open up and let me in because I know how hard it is to be vulnerable, especially for you. It is really hard for me. And that's the thing that's so interesting to me about this shift that I've taken in perspective, because my goal before was to become so hardened and uncaring that our father couldn't affect me because I just wouldn't let myself really feel vulnerable or feel hurt or let anybody else get close to me. Just if I completely shut myself off, was just independent and self-sufficient and tough and didn't need anybody and didn't feel anything, he would no longer be relevant to me. And that really wasn't ultimately what I need in order to heal. It served its purpose. That survival mechanism served its purpose, but it wasn't ultimately the right way to reach my ultimate goal. And I am glad that I am in this space now, as daunting as it is and as intimidated as I often am by this process of being more vulnerable and gentle and compassionate and trusting and loving towards others. It has ultimately been far more beneficial for me than all those years of trying to toughen myself up further so I didn't have to feel. That's really awesome. And I, I do think it speaks to that fact that we're going over today about making those lasting changes. Now, if you're listening in on this podcast and you saw, you know, the title New Year's resolutions and you're like, wait, these don't sound like New Year's resolutions. You're not trying to lose 20 pounds or get in a new relationship or whatever your typical New Year's goals are. But the reality is, is most of us know New Year's resolutions often end up falling pretty flat on their face by February. And part of that reason is too often these New Year's resolutions, they're not aimed at making lasting changes. They're not looking at the root of what's going on. You know, for example, if we're wanting to lose 10 pounds, 
Have we actually looked at what's going on with our physical and mental health that may be impacting it? Because maybe it's not the 10 pounds that we need to lose. Maybe it's improving our diet so that we can improve how our thyroid works so that our metabolism works better. And so that's what we want to talk about today is taking more of a deep dive, I guess, in some ways into change so that we can make these lasting changes. And that doesn't mean that every goal you set is gonna take 20 years or six years or four years or even a year. Some changes you may be able to work in a month and that lasting change will build on something, will build on something, will build on something so that your healing journey and your growth journey will take you where you actually want to go. Yeah, to add on to what Autumn was saying there, what we're focusing on today is not just superficial changes. We're looking at more of a holistic approach and like that big picture approach. And often those New Year's resolutions, like we kind of give up on them because we get lost in the day-to-day -day stuff in life. And it's just, I'll, I'll just hold off and I'll make that my next year's resolution. And I think part of the reason why we do that is because we're not looking at these changes as part of a bigger picture. Even if your goal is to lose 10 pounds, well, why are you wanting to lose 10 pounds? Is it just for appearances? I mean, if that's the case, what is it that you're hoping to accomplish with those appearances? Are you wanting to fit into clothes that you find more fashionable that you don't think fit you quite well, that you're not comfortable in? Are you wanting to lose weight because you want to improve your health overall? Or you just feel like it would help you to feel generally better about yourself and the world around you? Are you trying to set an example for your kids? There may be so many different reasons why you're trying to lose that 10 pounds. And that branches out into a web. And that's why we're putting our focus this episode on bigger lasting changes, because even those smaller goals, we have them for bigger reasons. And so if we look at this more holistically, if we look at it big picture, if we look at it long term, even if the goal that you have right now feels relatively superficial, it probably actually does fit into something else that you're wanting to improve or in some other way that you're wanting to grow or change. And so that's why we're focusing in not just on our New Year's resolutions right now for the short term. We're taking a look at even those superficial changes that may actually be part of a much larger shift in our lives that we're wanting to make. And I feel like with that, when we are able to look at that bigger picture, when we are able to do this with a more holistic base and to approach this whole process with a more holistic base, I do believe, and Ivy believes as well, that these changes then do become more lasting. We are more committed because now it's not just about 10 pounds. It's about the bigger picture and where you're going in life. And that is much more motivating than a carrot stick. You know what I mean? And so let's go ahead and dive in to these tips today. And this first one on our list actually speaks right to what Ivy was just saying, and that is understanding the process of what growth and change is even about. Because a lot of times we do come to these New Year's resolutions and we think that's just gonna happen. We're gonna lose 10 pounds by the end of January. We're gonna get in that new relationship by spring. The reality is, is growth takes time. We can make minor changes, but for those changes to actually start exhibiting the kind of growth we need in our lives, that's gonna make sure that that change is actually beneficial to us and stays around, we need to understand that growth does take time. It's a slower process and that's okay. I would rather grow slow 
then continue to fail again and again and again because I'm trying to grow too fast. And I would say because I have been growing slow. I'm 40. I've been working on growing actively because of my different mental health issues and trauma since I was 13. But that slow growth has served me so well because I have come so far in that time. By being patient with myself, by being patient with my growth, I've been able to go so much further. And those changes that I make are still part of my life. They're not something I just tried and gave up on. They're now core parts of who I am. To build on what Autumn was saying about those changes becoming integral to who she is, I want to use one of the examples that she used for kind of a, a short-term goal. Like you want to get into a relationship by spring, which is a totally fine, wonderful goal if that's what you're looking to do. But so often I think we get stuck in this very narrow view of how to go about doing those things. We think, okay, if I want to be in a relationship by spring, I've got to get on Tinder, or use some sort of dating app or go to singles events or things like that, which yes, you have to kind of get out there so you can actually meet people. But there are other things that can go into that goal that will actually create much more sustainable changes. Because let's say you get into a relationship by spring, then what? Because relationships also take effort and they also take time to develop. So you get into that relationship by spring, but if you haven't taken the time to work on your own relationship skills and communication skills, that relationship might not last very long at all because you were in such a rush to get to the relationship part that you didn't consider what came next. And so when we're taking this holistic view, even with the, this is what I was talking about earlier, even with these superficial changes, there are so many different angles that we can come at it from. Because ideally, if you're trying to get into that relationship in spring, it takes more than just meeting people, getting out there and getting some exposure and introducing yourself to others and interacting more with other people. There's also a lot of inner work that we can do that's actually going to create those lasting changes that will make it much more likely for that relationship that we get into to be more sustainable over time. And it also, I think, helps to soften the blow if we've like set a deadline that maybe doesn't turn out the way we want it to. Maybe we don't meet that goal of getting into a relationship by spring, but if we're working on ourselves and we're trying to grow and develop better relationship skills and develop more of a sense of what we actually want in a partner, we just won't take the first person that comes our way. If we're working on ourselves, we're going to be much more discerning about what we're looking for in a potential mate. We're gonna be much more competent when it comes to communication, we're going to be much more adept at the relationship skills that make for a lasting relationship so that that way it actually has a chance of lasting when you do find that person that you want to be in a relationship with, whether that's in spring or it's a completely different other time. And the same thing could apply to Autumn's other example of weight loss because so many people, they lose that 10 pounds and then they go right back to living the way that they were before and they put that 10 pounds back on, if not even more. So to make those lasting changes, you wanna start making actual lifestyle changes, being more active, changing the way that you eat and changing the way that you think about food, looking at how you actually view yourself, why you're motivated to lose weight in the first place. What are you doing it for? When we look at the bigger picture, we make more lasting changes in a much broader way that overall improve the quality of our life moving forward and improve the quality of our relationships with other people moving forward as well. 
When we start looking at goals holistically, like Ivy said, I think this also helps to illuminate another very important part of the process of growth and change, which is that growth is not linear. And I feel like it's really important for us to understand that part of the process as well, because sometimes we set up a goal and we have all of this trouble meeting it and we feel like we failed. But then when we actually look back, we made so many other changes that were positive for us. I mean, a really easy cliched example of this is like, let's say you decide you want to quit smoking and that's your New Year's resolution. It's a great New Year's resolution and you start working on it. But then you realized your smoking is actually tied into maybe a trauma response or other mental health issues you have. And so you're not able to give up smoking yet, but maybe you get into therapy and you're working on some of these underlying issues of your trauma or your mental health and you're learning emotional stability and you're learning better coping skills. And so it comes to the end of this year and you're still smoking, but look how much your mental health has improved. And because your mental health has improved, you're now getting that much more closer to being able to give up that coping skill of smoking, to being able to give up that habit that you relied so much on. So that way, when you are finally able to commit to stopping smoking, then you're going to be able to be more successful at it because you did the other work needed. And that's how growth is sometimes. It's not necessarily linear. It's not A to B. Sometimes you start out with a goal and it comes to the end of the year or the end of the month or whatever deadline you set and you haven't met it. But that's okay if other growth has happened. If that goal, setting that goal of stop smoking, increased your ability to cope with life and to process your trauma and to emotionally regulate, then that was an amazing goal, even if you didn't achieve it. And it doesn't mean you won't achieve it in the future. Growth is not linear. And I feel like it's really important to understand that. I think not only is it important to understand that the process of change and healing is not linear, it's also extremely important to be gentle with yourself during that process and be open and receptive to your goals changing as well. It's like Autumn said, you're trying to stop smoking and you realize, oh shit, like I'm using smoking as a coping mechanism because I have not dealt with this trauma or this hurt that I have. I really need to tackle that before I can really give up smoking. And that's okay. Is it ideal for you to quit smoking? Absolutely. Is that still a worthy long-term goal? Yes. It may not end up being the short-term goal that you thought it was going to be, and it's important to be gentle with yourself and not expect too much from yourself. If you need those cigarettes right now as a crutch because you are not yet able to handle your life stresses without it, then that's what you need to do. It's very difficult to just rip a coping mechanism away from yourself when you have nothing yet to replace it with. So be gentle with yourself during this process healing and change and those sorts of things they are messy they are all over the place it's a big old squiggle line all over your life and you never really know which direction it's going to take you so i would say be gentle with yourself be compassionate towards yourself and be open receptive and curious to the different directions these changes and these goals can take you because it may look entirely different than what you expected it's just like what i was talking about in my fact of the day 20 years I spent on this goal of trying to get to a spot where my father and the trauma I experienced from him did not so deeply affect me. And for 20 years, I had it all wrong. The way that I was going about it, what I thought was going to work was a trauma response that was ultimately in the long run, not only stopping me from achieving that goal, but it was stymieing me in other ways in my life. I was not receptive until recently to the idea that there was any other way to go about it. And it's been hard for me 
now that I have accepted that I need to let my trauma soften me and allow myself to be vulnerable and deal with the hurt, it has been very, very difficult for me not to be upset at the part of me that stayed hardened and cut off and angry and aloof because I was stuck for a really long time. I did not move any closer to my goal for 20 years, or at least it didn't feel that way. And so I need to not only be gentle with myself in allowing this change to happen organically now that I am ready for it, to accept everything that has come before, that I was doing what I needed to do at the time to survive based on the skills that I had accessible to me, and also to be curious and receptive and open to this idea of doing something that is not only drastically different from what I have been doing all of these years, but that deeply terrifies me. It is so much harder for me to let that trauma soften me than it was to let myself be hard as a rock and unfeeling, but it is much better. And so I would say in the midst of all of this, as you're working on changes, no matter how superficial they may seem, understand that there are probably layers upon layers that are underneath why you have that goal to begin with, why you're seeking to make that change and allow the process to happen organically without trying to force it to a certain deadline, without trying to force it to be linear, without getting stuck in this headspace of thinking, this is the goal that I have. And so this is what I need to focus on completely. And everything else is just clutter and chatter. And I can only focus on this one goal because it may turn out that that goal that you have, there are other things that have to be addressed before you can even tackle that goal. And all of that is part of why that very first tip on our list is understanding the process. Because change wants to happen. Change is happening all of the time, whether or not we want it. And if we can understand the process of change and flow with it instead of fight it, it's gonna make it so much easier for us to change in ways that we want to. So now let's go ahead and go on to the second tip on our list today, and that is to choose changes that vibe with you. What we're talking about here is the fact that a lot of times we tend to give in to societal or familial pressures around the kind of changes we make. Are you actually trying to lose weight or give up smoking because that is something you want to do for you that makes sense for your life? Or are you trying to do that because your family wants you to stop smoking? Or the society thinks that you should be thinner. It's really important to choose changes that actually make sense for you. Because if you're not motivated to make this change, it's not gonna happen. Back when I was getting my degree in mental health counseling, that was one of the things they, they always hammered home was that the client has to want to change. Until that client actually wants to change, it doesn't matter if you were the most magical, wonderful therapist on earth, it's not gonna do a damn thing because the person needs to want it. The person needs to work for it. And it's the same way with any kind of change that we make. If you don't have the internal motivation to do it for whatever reasons are important to you, then that change isn't gonna happen. And so you have to really look out there and say, okay, why am I making this change? And is it important enough to me that I'm gonna continue making it? And so for that example, I said, are you stopping smoking because your family wants you to? That doesn't mean you should be like, oh, well, I'm not gonna be motivated to do that. Maybe you love your wife and kids or your husband and kids so much that that is going to be motivation to you. Maybe you were fine with smoking before that, but the concept of them living a life without you breaks your heart so much that you do give up smoking for them. It doesn't necessarily mean that this change always has to be 
your idea and from you specifically and motivated by you only. It just needs to make sense in your life. And it needs to be something that you're actually going to be motivated to continue doing the work necessary to make that change. That's definitely an integral part of this process of change is understanding what your motivations are. Why are you wanting to make this change? Are you doing it for you? Are you doing it for other people? Are you doing it because you feel pressured? Do you feel like making this change would ultimately be good for you? Do you think it might set you back because you're only doing it because you feel pressured by other people? Well, we're talking about making changes that vibe with us, setting goals that make sense for us. It's also really important to note that, that doesn't always have to be something that society approves of or gives a fuck about. Like you can make your goal whenever you want. Maybe your goal this year is you want to learn how to ride a unicycle and society would say, why would you want to do that? And maybe your friends and family would say, why would you want to do that? And maybe you don't even have a great answer for it. It just sounds like a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. You can make it your goal to learn how to ride a unicycle because you know what might come from that. You're probably going to challenge your brain and your body in a different way than it's ever been challenged before, which will allow your brain to broaden its horizons in general. You never know what riding a unicycle may lead you to. Maybe it'll lead you into another interest, like maybe you'll start doing aerial arts, or maybe it'll be something you wouldn't expect at all. Maybe Writing a unicycle will give you an idea for a novel that you want to write. Maybe writing a unicycle will just introduce you to other people who ride unicycles and you didn't have any idea that people that ride unicycles are actually pretty cool. So choose a goal that works for you. It can be completely off the wall. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what your family says. If it feels right for you and it's something that you want to do and it could have a positive impact on your life or even a neutral impact on your life go for it. Nothing says that it has to be losing a certain amount of weight or getting in more hours at work. Maybe you want to prioritize your relationships instead. So instead of saying, oh, I'm going to work more hours this year and get promoted, maybe your goal is, you know, I want to spend more time with my kids this year. I'm going to do that instead. That's not really what society says you should be putting your focus on, but fuck society. You do whatever you want. You do what works well for you. I totally agree with that concept. And if you are neurodivergent at all, I really, really advocate for that idea of choosing goals that make sense for you. Because those of us out there that are neurodivergent, a lot of the cliched pattern goals just don't make sense in our lives. And so if we try to take on one of those goals, there's a good chance we're probably going to fail at it because it does not make sense for the way our brains are wired. All right, let's, let's go ahead and move on to tip number three on our list. Make sure you're even ready to change. So I feel like a lot of times when we come up with these New Year's resolutions, it's so often to stop doing something. But the reality is, is that a lot of times we are doing certain behaviors or tasks because we need to do them. Ivy noted earlier, for example, that maybe it's a coping skill that you're relying on. And if you take that away, you have nothing left. You know, I know this is kind of an extreme example, but I come from an extreme field, an extreme world. But there was a lot of controversy a while back about cutters and whether or not you should completely take away their choice of how to self-harm or if you should teach them how to take care of those wounds first, how to reduce those wounds in intensity and frequency and eventually get rid of that completely. Because a lot of times when we rely on something so extreme, such as cutting, or maybe even something less damaging, such as smoking or overeating, we're doing that for a reason because we need that somehow internally. We need that for our mental health. And so if all of a sudden you just take away those cigarettes, you just take away that extra food, you just take away that razor blade, 
what do you have left? How are you going to emotionally regulate? How are you going to make sure you don't lose your shit? How are you going to continue functioning through these stressful and difficult times? You have nothing left. And so it's really important to make sure that you are ready to make this change, especially if this change is about giving something up. Are you ready to give it up? And if you are, what is going to take its place? Because that's another big, big behavioral principle is the idea that you can never actually stop a behavior. You have to replace it. So if you don't want to smoke anymore, well, why are you smoking? What is driving that? And what kind of behavior can you replace that with so that when you want to reach for that cigarette or possibly when you absolutely need to reach for that cigarette, you can instead reach out and grab something else that's going to help support you through that craving, help support you through that stress, and help you move towards that longer lasting change. And so that's why the third tip on here is just to make sure you're even ready to change. And being ready to make those changes is not just an internal state of being, it's also about making sure that you have the resources and capacity to even work on that change. So let's say you're trying to stop a harmful activity that you do when you're stressed like smoking, we'll use that example again. But you are in a time in your life where you are extremely stressed out all the time. Maybe everything in your life right now is complete and total chaos. And while you understand that not smoking anymore would be good for you, that would be a positive change that you could make for yourself. The likelihood of you being successful at quitting at a time when you were at your most stressed probably not very high. Maybe you want to choose a different goal that will not further tax you, that will not contribute even more to your stress or take away the only thing that is helping you to survive a stressful situation. And in addition to capacity, the other thing that you want to look at is what resources do you have available to you? Do you have support around you? Do you have people that actively support you? Do you have the means to get nicotine patches or, or salt pouches or gum or those sorts of things that will help you shift from a really destructive habit into a less destructive habit until you can give up your nicotine addiction entirely? Those are things you also have to take into consideration because it's going to be much harder to make those lasting changes if you are not in a space where you have the mental, emotional, physical capacity to make that change and if you don't have the resources accessible to you to support you in making that change and transition. All right, so you may have noticed now these first three tips weren't anything about actually making the change, right? This is all preparatory work, but that's important if you wanna make lasting changes. Now, as we go into tip number four, this is where we actually start doing the change. We start creating these goals to make that change. And so the number four tip on our list is to make smart goals. And this is actually something borrowed from business psychology. And so what SMART stands for is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And usually I hate business psychology with an absolute passion for so many reasons I will not get into here, but I do absolutely love the idea of a SMART goal. So it, when you're setting a goal, the very first idea is you want it to be specific. So you don't want it to just necessarily be I want to get into a relationship. Okay, any relationship, an abusive one, is that okay with you? Let's make it really specific. Are you looking for safety? Are you looking for love? Are you looking for intimacy? What is it that you actually want? Get specific. And I feel like this piece is extremely important as well if you are neurodivergent because most of us that are autistic or ADHD, we also realize that a task 
is not just a task. A task is actually 80 tasks. We've heard that example of, you know, you have to wash the dishes or do the laundry. It's not so simple because you have to gather all the laundry and put it in the washing machine and add the fluid and remember to change it and do all of these other things that go with it. And that's actually a great mindset to have when you're starting these goals and you're creating this goal and you're setting it up to remember that there are multiple steps and pieces to these goals and to get as specific as possible and maybe set instead of one goal, four, five or six that allows you to follow those steps. And now the next part of that SMART goal is the idea that it is measurable to find a way to actually gauge if the change is occurring. So in the case of weight loss, yeah, great. You either have or have not gained weight, but other things aren't necessarily as easy. I like to go back to the behavioral principles when setting up goals. And so I look at frequency and intensity. And so the frequency is how often you do it and intensity is, you know, how big of an issue is it for you? And so for example, for me with my goal that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode with my headaches, I didn't just say I wanna stop having headaches because honestly, that's really, really difficult. But I can say I would like to reduce the frequency, how often I have those headaches, and I would like to reduce intensity. I would like to reduce how much pain I experience when I have those headaches. And so if we think about those kind of concepts, we can start making measurable goals. All right, so our next letter, A, and that's for achievable. So you want to look at your goal and say, is this actually a reasonable and achievable goal. So a lot of times we jump into New Year's resolutions and we're thinking big. We're thinking, I want to make a million dollars this year. It's like a go big or go home sort of attitude. And well, there may not necessarily be anything wrong with that. It is a lot harder to keep motivation when you have this huge looming goal that in all likelihood will take you quite some time to get to. Unless you get real lucky, you're probably not going to make a million dollars this year. And it's going to be really hard to keep up your motivation when that goal seems perpetually out of reach for you. And so one of the things that's much more helpful is to make smaller goals that are more achievable. So let's say that you do really want to increase the amount of money that you're making. And you know the best way to do that is by investing. But you don't know anything about investing. Okay, well, maybe your first goal is to start really learning how investments work, what type of investments there are. Really consider how much money every month you actually can budget to put into those investments so that you can see your money grow. Again, unless you get real lucky, chances are you're not making a million dollars this year. But if you can work on those smaller goals, break it down into more bite-sized pieces that you actually can work with, you will get much more of a sense of accomplishment. You'll have much more incentive to keep going because you've broken this huge goal down into much smaller goals. So every time you tackle one of those smaller goals and you achieve it, that gives you more motivation and more incentive to tackle that next part of your much larger goal. So even if you do have this huge goal that you want to work toward, breaking it down into achievable pieces is going to be much better for you in the long run because it will give you a lot more of a sense of accomplishment, personal pride, much more of that incentive to keep going and that motivation to keep pushing forward. And then our next letter is R, relevant. So does this goal that you have fit with your larger growth or healing journey? And I'm gonna use a personal example here. So weight for me was something that I struggled with a lot when I was younger. I fluctuated a lot between super skinny and overweight, and I always had a lot of issues around it, and I even have dealt with an eating disorder in the past. And so what I actually want is to be healthy. I wanna be healthy. I want to have an athletic build. 
I want to feel stronger. Those are things that are relevant to my larger growth and healing journey. So now instead of setting goal weights, instead of stepping on the scale every day and either being overjoyed or depressed by the number that I see on the scale, I very rarely ever step on a scale. I measure that maybe once every two, three months, just to kind of gauge where I'm at to make sure I'm in a reasonable range. But for the most part, what I'm looking at is getting stronger, building more endurance, feeling more physically fit, being more capable of doing the activities that I want to do. Those are the things that I am working toward now because that is much more relevant to me in the long run for my personal growth and like healing my relationship with food or healing my relationship with my body. I'm not so focused on a number on a scale because I recognize that that's not really relevant. Not really. What is relevant is feeling stronger and more capable and more competent. Those are what my actual goals are. I wanna be healthy and fit and athletic. So choosing a goal that is actually relevant in the long term to what you are trying to accomplish. And maybe that is weight loss for you. Maybe you do want to lose a certain number of pounds. But I would also suggest that you look at a bigger picture than even that, because that will give you much more incentive than just the idea of being 10 pounds lighter. And the last letter of the SMART goal is T for time-based. And this is the one where I kind of wibble wobble back and forth on my agreement with it because setting a deadline can be extremely helpful for some people. It can give you that push of motivation to try to achieve your goal by set time instead of just putting it on the back burner. However, though, for some of us, setting that deadline can actually be counterintuitive. Maybe that deadline makes us feel super anxious, like we're not getting enough done and then we just get overwhelmed and we can't do it anymore. Or maybe you have executive functioning issues and so you're not able to maintain consistent, constant focus on one thing for six straight months and you can't achieve that goal in a six month time frame, and you need a more looser sort of feel for it. Or maybe that deadline, if you're PDA, which is the pervasive demand avoidance, is just too much for you. And now that you have to do it, you don't even want to do it anymore. It's something you want to actively avoid instead. And so when it comes to the T of SMART goals, time-based, I really encourage you to decide, is that deadline going to help you meet that goal? Or is that deadline going to hinder meeting your goal? And then based on that answer, decide when and if you actually want to give yourself that deadline or not. So now that we've actually set this goal up, we've stopped, we've thought about it, we've got it all set out, what we want to do, it's now time for the fifth tip on our list today, which is to identify obstacles. So there is going to be a lot of stuff that gets in your way when you want to change, because change is often a hard process, especially when it's a change that breaks us out of the routine, that challenges the autopilot that we've been on. It takes effort from us. And so it's important to figure out, okay, what is going to get in my way? And maybe that's stuff like people. So maybe you set a goal. You would like to be more grateful this year. You'd like to have more gratitude. And you've got this all set out and you've got all the ways you're going to do this. But maybe all of the friends you hang out with are really negative focused. Well, that's going to make it very difficult for you to introduce gratitude when that completely shifts the dynamics of all of the friendships you have. And so it's something to consider is, well, what's going to get in my way? What kind of relationship dynamics are out there? What kind of people are out there that are maybe going to challenge me in doing this? And sometimes we even just have toxic people in our lives. And so maybe we want to do something like give up alcohol or make significant diet changes that are going to help us out. 
but we have people that are like little crabs and they don't want to see us escape the bucket and so they start pulling us down and so that's just one of the one of the many obstacles you could consider when you're like okay what's going to get in my way of trying to achieve this goal I would tack on to Autumn's note there real quick before we move on that this can also apply if your goals are similar to the goal that I had in my fact of the day. If you are dealing with old relational patterns with people and you are trying to improve your mental health or, or recover from trauma or learn how to set better boundaries with people, but you keep getting pulled into those old relationship dynamics, that's something that you also want to look at as far as being an obstacle. Because I'm telling you right now, for me personally, there's no way in hell I could try to have any sort of relationship with my father and get anywhere near achieving my goal of not letting him affect me. Because the dynamic that I have with him has always been so toxic and so unhealthy that it would be very difficult for me to shift and get to a spot where I can actually heal from that trauma while still maintaining a relationship with him. And I do feel like that is something that a lot of people, especially these days, are working with in terms of their own healing and growth because we are getting to a space in society where more and more people are saying, yeah, I don't care about the fact that it's family. If my family is destructive and abusive, I'm not going to give them a free pass just because they're family. So I do feel like, especially now, that that is a particularly pertinent obstacle to really consider. If you are working on healing from trauma that's related to relational patterns you have with people in your life that have not been great, that maybe those people have been abusive or maybe you just cannot get along at all for whatever reason, like at, just at conflict with personalities, you really want to look at that potentially as an obstacle if what you're working on is healing relationship skills or healing from a trauma or abuse that you experienced at the hands of another person. Now, another obstacle that's not necessarily related to any one particular person is honestly technology. There is so much information out there, both good and bad. And I think this is an obstacle that is kind of insidious and very much a part of the modern era because we have not always had so much access to information. And while that is a beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing that all of this knowledge is at our fingertips, it also gets very overwhelming very quickly because not all of that information is actually positive and it's not possible for us to absorb all the information coming in at us at once. And at the beginning of the year, most of us have that idea, okay, fresh start, New Year's resolutions, it's that time. You know, there's all of that kind of push to make those changes and maybe you're ready to set that New Year's resolution. And again, we go big or go home right there at the beginning of the year, which is one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to keep up with these New Year's resolutions is because we really just rush in head first right away and overwhelm ourselves. And that is particularly easy to do when we have social media and all of the different influencers and people on there that can help you or harm you in whatever your goal is that you're trying to achieve. The internet is just chock full of tons of research and information that again, could be helpful, could be harmful could just be completely overwhelming. And we have all of these apps that are supposed to help with self-improvement. There's apps to help you organize your life better. There's apps that are games that help you to challenge your mind a little bit more so that you can improve in your cognitive skills, your math skills or whatever. There's so many of these things and that's great and wonderful and amazing, but it is important to find balance and to use, it, use this as an opportunity also to 
practice our skills of discernment because not everything that we see on the internet is true. Not all of it is healthy. Not all of it is good advice. Hell, you may be listening to this episode and for you, the advice that Alma and I are giving does not jive. You don't like it. It doesn't feel right to you. That's totally fine. There's different strokes for different folks, but use the resources that you have at your fingertips wisely. Use your discernment. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed with information. Take things slow. I know it's hard to moderate yourself, to pace yourself when you're just excited to make those changes and you're ready for a fresh start, but make sure that you're looking to good resources, that you are picking and choosing, that you're being selective with the influencers that you follow and the research that you're looking at. Make sure that you are choosing good resources and that you're not overwhelming yourself with information right now because it's going to be much harder to maintain motivation when you get completely overwhelmed and you can't tell the difference between good advice and bad advice anymore. That is definitely one of the biggest obstacles I would say we do have nowadays is trying to find that balance with getting the good information we need and not just becoming overwhelmed. And one other obstacle that I think it's really important for us to look at as well are any mental health traits that we may have that may get into our way. And so this may be neurodivergent traits such as a lack of motivation, aversion to change, executive functioning issues, or this could just be general things such as increased anxiety or depression, anger management issues. All of these psychological things that are going on with us also have the potential to get in our way as well. And so if we know starting out that, yeah, I've got ADHD and I'm gonna really lack motivation to follow through with this goal, it's important to know that from the get-go, not so that we just give up and be like, well, I guess I can't do it because I'm too anxious or I have too much executive functioning issues, but so that we can find workarounds so that we can still meet this goal, even with the personal struggles we have. And now when you're looking at all of these obstacles, it's really important to not get overwhelmed by them, to not think of all of the things that could go wrong and then just give up because it all seems too hard. Because just as... We have tons of obstacles around us that can impede our desire and our attempts to grow. There are also tons of assets around us that are going to help foster that growth. And it's equally important to identify those because they can help sometimes balance out the obstacles that we encounter and give us that push forward that we really need sometimes, especially when we're lacking in motivation. And so, for example, a, a really common asset when we're trying to make changes is our routine. Nearly all of us have some kind of routine. We brush our teeth every single night before bed, or we get up at a certain time every day to go to work. There's usually at least something that we're doing every single day. And these routines can actually be great assets for change. We can learn to tie in some of these minor changes we're making straight into our routine. So for example, let's say you decided that this year you just, you really wanted to reduce your stress level. You're always feeling so stressed out and you looked at all of the ways you could do this and you decided I'm going to try meditation. I'm going to try meditating on a more regular basis and see if that helps. Well, the routine is a great asset to that because let's say you go to bed at the same time every night. What if you go to bed 10 minutes earlier? Is that possible? A little tiny change you could make that's directly related to your routine. And now every time you go to bed, it means, oh yeah, I need to meditate for that 10 minutes or that five minutes before bedtime. Or maybe you decided this year, I want to learn a new skill. Well, who out here goes to the bathroom? Probably all of us, right? And how many of us, when we go to the bathroom, you take your phone? Yeah? Well, what if when you're on the crapper, 
you look up on your phone the things you are wanting to learn about. It's an easy thing. It's all of these little things in our life that are always happening, that are consistent parts of it. And if we can find a way to tie these little tiny changes in, to tie our goals into our routine, it's going to remind us that we need to do it. And it's going to oftentimes provide that space and time we need to do it. Because what else were you going to be doing on the crapper? Just scrolling through social media? Well, now you can learn about woodworking or whatever it is that you decided you were going to learn this year. Personally, I love the idea of learning a language while, while taking a shit. <laughs> I like that idea. Maybe I'll learn like Japanese or Russian or Portuguese. <laughs> that is actually a really good opportunity to learn new skills. Because, <laughs> yeah, we probably all spend an inordinate amount of time on our phones in the bathroom. Even if it's not while you're on the toilet. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot brush my teeth without being on my phone because I'm so bored when I'm brushing my teeth. All right. All right. Let's get serious again. So one of the other assets that we have available to us is people. So finding people around you who are supportive and encouraging, who can be part of this process with you, encourage you on this path, commiserate with you when things aren't going the way that you want. Maybe find somebody that has similar goals to your own so that, that way you can also kind of hold each other accountable. I'm actually doing that with one of my close friends right now. We have not exactly the same goal, but similar goals. He's been trying to lose weight for a while and I've been working on my fitness goals, but both of us are doing a lot of the, the same sorts of things. We've both made a lot of dietary changes. We've both made a lot of changes to our level of fitness and the activities that we do. And so it's been nice having him to kind of play off of. And it wasn't even something that we intentionally started doing. It was just, we were sharing about our lives. And it's kind of become this thing where we talk to each other about what we do at the gym or on the walk that we went on. We check in with each other about the foods that we're eating and like like the guilt that we feel. That's one of the things that we have often talked to each other about is making sure that we're not going overboard with feeling guilty about eating foods instead of enjoying the foods that we eat. We check in with each other to make sure that neither of us is going too far off the rails, falling into an eating disorder, overdoing it, underdoing it. We support each other, we encourage each other. We joke around, we commiserate, we laugh at ourselves. And that's been really helpful to keep both of us on track. But even if you have somebody in your life who doesn't have any similar goals to you, but they're just really supportive and encouraging, see if they will help you in your process of trying to change. Like Autumn, for example, I know that no matter what changes I'm trying to make, if I tell Autumn that I need her support and encouragement and I need her to be a sounding board for her when I make those changes, she's totally gonna be on board with that. And chances are you have somebody in your life who is much the same way, that whether or not you share similar goals, they can be there with you, support you, laugh with you, commiserate with you, encourage you when you're having a hard time. See what people that you have in your circle that you can pull into this process with you, because it's a lot easier to make lasting changes when you have support from people around you. And again, when it comes to assets, I also want to point out that those things that we consider mental health struggles can also sometimes be assets as well. So for example, I am autistic and one of the things I am accused of and am often guilty of is rigid thinking. And that seems like, oh, that's going to be really hard because you're not going to want to make any changes. You're going to just want to stay the same old way. That can be part of rigid thinking, but the other part of rigid thinking is perseverance. Because if I set my mind to something, well, I have to accomplish it because that's my rigid thinking. It has to get done. And so while for a lot of the world, it may seem like rigid thinking is actually going to be an obstacle, 
my rigid thinking actually ends up being a really great asset for me. And for a lot of us that have mental health struggles, we also have a lot of out of the box thinking. We're really creative and that can give us new, unique ideas to make these changes happen for us that other people wouldn't consider. It's not going to show up in the top 10 Google search of how to make changes because it's something new that we've considered. And there's also a ton of hacks that can go with whatever mental health struggles you have that can also be an asset. So for example, one of the hacks I've heard recommended a lot on TikTok for individuals that have ADHD is body doubling. Just having somebody else in the room can help increase the motivation to do what you need to do. And if you know that about yourself and you know how your mind is wired and how it works, those same things that you think of as obstacles can actually end up being assets. So don't forget that either when you're looking at this big picture of what can hinder me and what can help foster this growth. Now, number seven tip on our list, and this seems really obvious, get and stay motivated. And this sounds really obvious, and it also sounds to me like one of those things that it's a lot easier said than done. And I would say this is especially true for those of us that are neurodivergent because motivation is one of the things we struggle with. And a lot of times the goals we're setting are also tied in some way to our executive functioning. And we also struggle with that. And so how are you supposed to stay motivated when you normally struggle with having motivation at all? And that's another reason why I say it's really good to look at your mental health and how your mind works so that you can figure out what does motivate you. Is it your family that motivates you? Is it seeing your kid's smiling face every day at the end of the day that reminds you, yes, I am doing good things by changing my eating habits because I'm helping my child eat healthier as well. Or maybe for those of us that do lack a little in the dopamine, we find ways to press those dopamine buttons. So a great example of finding and pressing those dopamine buttons actually comes from my boyfriend because he is ADHD and so he has a hard time staying motivated for long-term goals or long-term life changes that he wants to make. And this year he decided that he wanted to stay more hydrated because he has a lot of difficulty staying hydrated and drinking water as opposed to sugary beverages. So what he did was he got him a really fancy cool water bottle that he super liked. And of course, being ADHD, that water bottle only lasted two or three months. And then he started waning off on the drinking water because the dopamine wasn't there. It wasn't as motivating or reinforcing anymore. So what did he do? He bought a new different fancy water bottle. And so this year he's maybe had five or six different water bottles, but his drinking of water has increased drastically and he's almost eliminated all sugary beverages from his daily consumption. So yeah, maybe every couple months you have to spend $20 to buy yourself something that's going to keep you motivated. But if the long-term benefits are there, it's totally worth it. And so that's something you kind of have to look at your own self, look at your own mental health issues, look at your own personality, your own motivators, and figure out what is going to keep you motivated to do this goal. So I don't know about my fellow ADHDers, but this is one that is really, really hard for me that's staying motivated. And one of the tactics that I have started using to help me stay motivated is I call it diversifying my portfolio. So instead of having just one goal that I have to stay stuck and focused on, I have a few different goals so that based on where my motivation levels are at that day, what mood I'm in, what I value more that day or in that moment, I can switch gears and work on different goals. So I generally now don't just set one particular goal. I have a running list of goals and I work on whichever one I can get the motivation for. 
I have stopped trying to force myself to be motivated to follow through on a particular goal or thing if I'm just not in that headspace. I mean, obviously there are some tasks that you have to force yourself to get done in any way possible. But most of the time, these goals that we have for ourselves, they're not on a super desperate deadline. I mean, maybe for some people that works for you, like Autumn was talking about, deadlines work for some people, not for others. They don't work for me at all because as soon as there's a deadline, I'm like, well, I'm not going to get that done in time. Fuck it. I'm not trying at all anymore. So for me, not only do I not really set deadlines for myself, I really try to diversify the goals that I have. So I always have different goals that I can work on regardless of where my headspace is at that day and regardless of where my motivation is that day. If I keep a list of maybe 10 different goals that I'm simultaneously working on, chances are I'm gonna find one of those things that I'm actually in the mood for that day. And that was part of why our number five and number six on the list that identify obstacles and identify assets was so important because if you are able to identify those obstacles and assets, you're also gonna find in those some ways to get and stay motivated. And really, I mean, we could offer a hundred different types of examples, but ultimately, you're going to have to discover what motivates you, do that deep dive, and then follow through with that motivation piece. Okay, so the number eight tip on our list today is remember that you are on a budget. All of us have limited resources, and I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about emotional wherewithal. Change takes a lot of effort from us. It takes a lot of our resources, and we don't always have all of the necessary resources available to commit to change 24-7 for six months or a year or whatever it takes to meet that goal. And that is especially true for those of us that deal with mental health struggles or physical health struggles. Sometimes we just have to take a break and focus on functioning only. And just know that that is okay because the reality for the reason we're making these changes is to improve our lives, to feel better, to be more mentally healthy. And if every time you need to take a break, you're beating yourself up and you're calling yourself a failure, that's not helping your mental health. So if you have those limited resources, whatever they might be, and you're trying to make these changes and you come up to a point where you're like, this month, this day, this week, I just don't have the capacity to work on this right now. Remember, it's okay. You can budget that in later. You also wanna make sure that you're investing those resources wisely because they are limited. We don't have all the time, money, energy to do everything all the time and do it perfectly. So we do have to prioritize. We have to look at what's going on in our lives, our level of stress that we have, the level of demands that we have on us and figure out how much energy we can realistically put towards all of those things, not just our goals. And we have to be able to understand too that those things will kind of shift and be dynamic. You may have tons of energy this day to put towards your goal, but tomorrow maybe your kid has to stay home from school sick and you're working from home at the same time. There is no time or energy for you to invest in your goal that day. And that's totally fine too. But overall, you want to look at the state of your life and see how much of your resources you actually do have to invest in your goal as well as the other things that you have going on in your life. And consider, like I said, it's going to be dynamic. It's, you're not always going to have the same amount of energy for each task every day. Consider kind of juggling your debt. So maybe it's really, really important to you to work on this goal. And maybe this goal isn't life or death, but you really want to learn how to roller skate. God damn it. You've always wanted to learn how to roller skate. You wanted to be a roller derby girl and it just never happened for you because life kept getting in the way and life still keeps getting in the way. 
and it's so important to you to learn this skill, but the house is a mess. Maybe let the house be a mess that day. Maybe cleaning the house can wait until tomorrow. Don't always assume that you have to put your goals on the back burner because of the everyday demands of life. Messy house will still be there tomorrow. It's still gonna be just as much of a pain in the ass to clean up tomorrow, but if cleaning the house tomorrow instead of today allows you the opportunity to work on that new skill, to learn how to do a new trick on roller skates, or even learn how to be able to stay on your feet in roller skates, then maybe prioritize that. Prioritize your goal. You don't always have to let everyday demands get in the way of you working on your goals. Because if you always put your goal on the back burner to take care of all of the quote unquote like have tos every day, chances are you're never going to get a chance to work on that goal because you're always going to find something else that seems more of a demand on your time, that seems more pressing or more important. Sometimes you actually do have to kind of juggle that, that debt and find a way to work on your goal, regardless of whether that means letting a few other things kind of fall behind. It's okay for you to put other things on the back burner sometimes so that you can make yourself and your goal a priority. I feel like this one especially ties back into that number two on the list where you choose changes that vibe with you because I feel like we also have to choose priorities that vibe with us. And if learning to roller skate is important to you, then maybe it is more important than making sure your house always looks like a showroom. It's okay to not meet societal expectations so that you can meet the expectations you have for yourself to be a healthier, happier person. So let's move on to tip number nine, and that is to pay attention to the journey. And this kind of ties back into what we were saying earlier about understanding that process of change. Because I, I feel like there is this false belief, especially when it comes to New Year's resolutions, that it's, it's one and done. That we just do it and then, hey, the change has happened and we don't have to worry about it anymore. But for a lot of the changes that are really meaningful to us, that's not accurate. So for example, let's say you wanted to increase spending time with your family and you did great in the first week and maybe even the second week of January. Does that mean you're now done? You, you met your quotient for spending time with your family all year? Likely not. And there are a lot of goals that we set for ourselves that are like that. It's not once and done. It's a journey. All of these little changes are part of an overall growth pattern that we are creating. And so it's important for us to remember that change is a journey. It's not just a check mark on the list. It's part of the journey and it is part of life and living. Remembering that and remembering that this is all part of the journey and that we don't necessarily want to be done changing because the reality is, is the end of this journey, the end of the journey all of us are on is death. <laughs> At least in this lifetime, that's how it works. When we're done growing, when we're done changing, we're dead. And so don't always rush towards that end. Take time to appreciate the journey. And I feel like a really important part of paying attention to the journey is being able to acknowledge and celebrate the victories that we've made, the changes that we made. And yes, this may mean you have not met your goal because like we said earlier, change isn't linear. So maybe you did decided you wanted to stop smoking or eat healthier or give up drinking and you weren't able to do that. But on the way to that change, did you do something else? 
Did you find something else that made your life better, that made you happier, that made you healthier? Well, then stop and celebrate that. This one specific goal that you're setting for yourself is not the end all be all. It does not decide whether or not you are a failure or a success. It is just part of the journey. So make sure you take time to pay attention to the journey, to pay attention to your life and to acknowledge and celebrate the victories you're making and to be grateful for the chance to be on this journey. Autumn made some really good points there and not to uh, diminish those or or take away from what she was saying. I just did have kind of a funny thought because in our notes, part of our, our notes for acknowledging and celebrating the victories is what else are you achieving and avoiding the task, which Autumn did talk about. But my brain as an ADHDer interpreted that in a different way. And I thought, what if you intentionally set a goal that you really don't want to do? And I say that because so many ADHDers when we have a thing that we really don't want to do, we productively procrastinate. So if you struggle with housework, instead of making it a goal to make your house cleaner, make a goal for something that you really don't want to do that you know you will procrastinate on, and then I bet your house will be super clean for the whole year. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try it. It may not lead to anything. But yes, I feel like that still builds on Autumn's good point. I was just not being quite as serious as she was, but I still think it's clever. I think I'm going to try to trick my brain that way. I do want to make one other note, though, on what she was talking about. Acknowledging and celebrating those victories, even if you are not really changing or meeting that goal. Because I think this could apply in another way as well. So maybe you have been working on a goal for a while, but something came along and really set you back. And then you feel very discouraged. That happened to me at the beginning of this year. I had been working on my weightlifting goals for quite a while. I was getting really strong. I was feeling really confident. I was feeling just awesome about myself and super excited about how much more weight I was able to lift and all of that. And then I got into my car accident and I got injured. I got a low back injury, I got a neck injury, and I got a concussion. And boy, oh boy, did that set me back for months and months and months. Right after the accident, I was not able to lift anywhere near what I had been lifting before because of the pain and because my mind-body connection was all fucked up from my brain getting rattled around and I struggled for months and months and months. And it was really, really discouraging, but I kept trying to get back into it. I still tried to stay as consistent as I could. I went down to a much lower weight than I had been lifting before. And I just accepted that this is where I needed to be right now. And I changed my goal. It was no longer how heavy can I lift? It was at first, it was just getting my mind body connection back because that concussion rattled me so much that my body wasn't even working the way that I wanted it to. I would want to do a movement and I could tell that my brain was send sending a signal to my body to do that movement and my body was just not responding. I had so many weird side effects from my injuries and from my concussion. It, it set me back in every way. And so I had to completely shift the way that I was thinking about things. And it was still discouraging, but I started making different goals so that I I could eventually get back to lifting as heavy as I had been before. But I had to start working on like breath work and I had to start working on cardio training. And by cardio training, I don't mean running. I mean just trying to get my heart rate to regulate walking at a leisurely pace. I had to completely shift the way that I was thinking about my fitness goals. Was my ultimate goal still the same? Yeah, I still wanted to get stronger. I still wanted to see how heavy I could lift but I had to start almost back at zero. I had to completely change the way that I was looking at things and the way that I was approaching my goals. But I will say 
silver lining in that because of that event in my life, because of the injuries that I got and the rehab that I had to do and all of the treatment specialists that I've had to see as a result. Ultimately, I feel like on the other side of this, because I am getting back to where I had been before the accident now, and in some ways I'm even stronger. And so I have been trying along the way to celebrate any tiny victory that I have towards that ultimate goal of being strong and being able to lift heavy and being athletic and fit. That was still always my ultimate goal, but I had to shift my short-term goals so that I could even get back to where I was. Because otherwise I would have been so discouraged and so disheartened, I probably just would have given up entirely. So yes, please acknowledge and celebrate any victories that you have, even if something comes along that knocks you on your ass and rips your goal progress out from underneath your feet. Get back up, dust yourself off, and if you have to shift your goals around a little bit, you can still keep that bigger goal in mind, but you may need to change your short-term focus so that you can get back to that long-term goal. And that's exactly why the very first tip on our list today was to understand the process of growth. Because when you do understand that growth isn't linear, that life does throw you curveballs, it can help you be more accepting when those things happen and less hard on yourself because this is just life. And I feel this ties in as well to tip number four on our list, which is making smart goals. Because remember, part of that was making our goals measurable. And when we're paying attention to the journey and we're paying attention to the goal, when we do have something that's measurable, it does help us realize when we are reaching that. So for example, if I had set my initial goal to just not have headaches, I would be extremely disappointed right now. I would have been extremely disappointed three or four years ago. And I've been working on this for five years. And the reason I can still keep working on it is because I did set up a measurable goal. I wanted to reduce my intensity and my frequency of headaches. And with the changes I've made, instead of having headaches 10 or 15 days out of the month, I'm now down to typically three or maybe seven days a month. And yeah, that may not seem like a big change, but when you're in as much pain as I was, any reduction is really important. And I've also seen a reduction in intensity when I do have more frequent headaches. And so having set that up measurably has also helped keep me motivated because I can actually look and say, hey, look, I am making progress. Because when we do have long-term goals, these big changes that we're trying to make in our growth and our journey, it can get really disheartening. So when we do set up something measurable, we actually do have a way to look at it and be like, hey, we are making progress. And like Ivy said, being open to that process and being willing to be flexible with ourselves also helps us take time to celebrate these victories, even if it's not for that initial goal that we set. And I feel like especially what Ivy was talking about ties right into the very last tip on our list today, which is to treat yourself like you love yourself. And you will notice that we didn't say to love yourself because sometimes that's not achievable for all of us just yet. And maybe that's part of our bigger growth pattern that we're working on. So this is kind of one of those fake it till you make it things and try to act like you actually love yourself. So if you had somebody in your life that you truly loved and they were trying to do the goal that you're doing, if they were trying to give up smoking, to drink less, to spend time with their family, to learn a new skill, and they had a setback, would you get in their face and berate them? Would you call them the failure? Would you tell them they're not trying hard enough? Because if you are, you might be a little bit of an asshole and you should probably change that behavior. But most of us won't. Most of us will understand when our loved ones aren't able to meet this expectation, when our loved ones have a setback, we're there to support them and love them. And we encourage you to do the same to yourself, to be gentle and to be compassionate with yourself and to try to act towards yourself like you would towards somebody you love. 
so that this journey for you isn't as difficult. And so you can actually truly celebrate the victories that you make and that you can be more at peace when you're not making the progress you want to make as fast as you want to make it. And along with that, try to incorporate some humor in here because you are going to stumble. You are going to fall on your ass. Maybe you'll fall on your face and you'll have to get back up and try again. And if you can find a way to laugh about the process, find a way to laugh at yourself, to just find the humor in it, that will help these goals be so much more achievable. And I say this as someone with almost no sense of humor, who is always too serious and always takes myself too seriously. There is a reason why most of the people that I am close to in my life are really fucking funny because I struggle to find the humor in things. I am more prone to taking myself too seriously, worrying too much, having a ton of anxiety, expecting too much from myself, being a perfectionist. I am prone to those things and I imagine there's some of you out there, most of you out there probably have some of those same setbacks. And humor will help. It will help you to not feel so anxious about it, to not be so serious and worried and heavy about this. Because making changes, setting these goals, this should be something that is empowering, something that brings you joy into your life. Yes, frustrations too, because there will always be difficulties. But ultimately, you are trying to improve yourself or your circumstances. You are trying to make these changes for good reasons. And like Autumn said, we do need to be gentle with ourselves and be compassionate with ourselves and not berate ourselves every time something goes wrong. And it's a whole lot easier to do that when you can find a way to laugh. When you fall on your ass, get back up laughing. Uh, I mean, that's something that happens naturally for me because I'm a nervous laugher. But I do think overall it's been better for me than just sitting around thinking about how embarrassed I am about the fact that I fell. And usually I'm laughing so hard I don't even notice if I've been hurt when I fall. And I think that same thing can apply to these changes that we make in our lives and when we stumble and when we fall. If we can find a way to laugh, and if you're like me and you have no sense of humor of your own, that's fine. Just find other people that do have a sense of humor that can help you to laugh at yourself. Because they may seem like a little bit of a dick if they're laughing at you when you fall on your ass, but chances are you're going to start laughing too because laughter is infectious. And then they'll probably tell you about how they've fallen on their ass before, and they'll probably tell it in a really funny way. And then that'll make you laugh even more. It'll help you be more compassionate with yourself because you will remember that other people are also clumsy and we all make mistakes. We all stumble. We're all trying the best that we can, and we're all working towards becoming better people. And like we've said, all of these changes, these goals, these New Year resolutions that we're setting for ourselves, they are just part of a bigger journey. They are part of our growth. They are part of our life. And so when you're able to laugh at yourself, when you're able to be gentle and compassionate and to act as though you love yourself, it just makes this whole journey a lot easier and a lot more pleasant. And it's also going to increase the likelihood that you're going to stay motivated and keep working towards these changes because it's going to look like you believe in yourself and it's going to look like you love yourself enough to want to keep making these changes to make your life an overall better, happier, healthier place. So we really, really hoped that these tips Maybe one of them, maybe all of them will help you in your New Year's resolutions and your overall journey of growth or healing. And if you're interested, we will actually put this list up on our resources page for this episode. Ivy, do you want to tell them where they can find said resources page? 
right. Yes, you can find us on our website, www.differentfunctional.com, and you will look for that resources page by clicking on resources and then podcast resources and then this episode. And that will take you to the resource for this episode. All right. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook as Different Functional. We are on Instagram and TikTok as Different underscore Functional. We are on Patreon as Different Functional if you would like to support us financially and get all sorts of yummy bonus content. And we also have merch on TeePublic, which the best way to find that is by going to our website and clicking the link on the homepage to take you to our storefront on TeePublic. I think that's all the ways to find us. You can email us too if you wanted to at differentfunctional at gmail.com. We would love to have some interaction with you guys, whether it's email or DMs or just commenting on our posts, sharing our posts, anything and everything to let us know that you guys are there and you're listening and you like the show. And we hope that you do. And if you do and you wanted to leave us a rating and a review, that would also be really nice of you to do. We would appreciate that a lot. We would definitely love some interaction. And I do very much encourage you to join our Patreon if you are if you have the resources to do that, because we do have some very funny outtakes and bloopers. I mean, just today, there's probably going to be stuff on there about tubular boobs, uh, horrible protein bars that make you salivate excessively, Amish people. It's just all over the place what's happening behind the scenes. And so if you're looking for an, a little bit of an amusing laugh, I definitely encourage joining our Patreon just to, to gain access to the craziness that is behind behind the scenes and edit it out to make these episodes make any kind of sense of coherency. For today, though, we will go ahead and wrap up. We wish you the best with your New Year's resolutions and making those changes you need to make in your life. As always, remember, different does not mean defective.